Hello and welcome to the Historical Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host, Krista. So this week has been really interesting and eventful. And one of the eventful things is that if you've been listening to the podcast for a bit, you know that I grew up Catholic. And I have been curious about another religion um, lately. And it's not that far away. I mean, if you are Episcopalian, you know it is not far away from the Catholic Church. It's basically Catholic light. So I went to an Episcopalian church. First time I've stepped foot out of the Catholic Church, like, my whole life. So I think the the craziest thing I did was go to a uh, Maronite church at one point, which is still a sect of the Catholic Church. But anyway, um, I went to an Episcopalian church, and it was lovely and pleasant, and I'm very excited to go back. So that was my exciting thing. I know to a lot of people it probably isn't, but it definitely was for me. So that happened, and then I finally got around to covering Miss Anna Hauptreif. I'm not sure. She is German. She was German. And this story came to me via Anila Wali, who wrote in and said that she had heard about this, that she'd like to get a little bit more information. She, incidentally, is a fantastic realtor in Austin, Texas. I think she's located in Kyle, but I mean Kyle... Buda Austin, that's all just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Austin. So she can help you in any one of those places. Kyle actually might be more affordable right now. I don't know if it still is, but if you are looking for a home in the Austin area, you know it can be a little daunting and a little expensive. And a lot of those outlying communities like Kyle and Buda and Round Rock and Pflugerville and Georgetown, those are sometimes more expensive. I don't know that Georgetown is. We'll see. I don't know. Um, I had a a friend just move out there, and it was not as cheap as I thought it was going to be. But anyway, I digress. She brought us our subject, Miss Anna Hauptreif. She was one of Texas's most prolific serial killers. Not even just in the 1920s, where our story takes place, but in general, overall, history of Texas, one of the... um, scariest, I would say, serial killers. And I think it's always scary when children are involved. And most of her uh, murders do involve children. But we'll get into that. Let's talk about her. She was born Anna Schultz. And she was from a prominent and highly respected German family in Niederwald, Texas. Niederwald is about 15 miles outside of San Marcos. And if you've made the drive from Austin to San Antonio, you've seen the sign. And every time I see it, I'm like, okay, I'm not even close to being home because it is just outside of Austin, too. Um, Niederwald was actually founded by German immigrants after the Civil War and has always been a small town. Even now, its population, the last 2010 census, was 565. So still super small. And now I want to go see it because, as I've said before, preservation of these small towns is so uh, important in Texas and everywhere, really. At the age of 26, she married an attractive German immigrant named Kurt Schroeder. And for three months, they were as happy as newlyweds could be. But tragedy struck early in their marriage. So three months after their wedding, Kurt suddenly felt ill and quickly died on the same day. And to her community and family, Anna was a wreck. She was hysterical at the funeral, collapsing in tears um, as dirt was shoveled onto Kurt's grave. 
and it was at Kurt's funeral that 51-year-old widower, William Haupttrief, first met Anna. He was overcome with pity and sorrow for this young widow and comforted her in her grieving. And he later said it was love at first sight, which, I mean, she's at her husband's funeral, and this guy is like, that's wifey number two right there. Um, She was also much younger than him, almost 30 years younger than him, so it's kind of icky. Um, But I don't know. Those May-December relationships were kind of common back then, so who knows? I mean, there's no evidence that that was a weird thing. And nobody says that in any of the original newspapers that I can I looked at to reference information about this case. So clearly, though, the comforting worked for him because they eventually get married. And she became stepmother to his children. So he was already a father of 11 children. As I mentioned before, he was a widower. And four of those kids still lived at home with him. And these were the four kids in order of their age, the oldest being 14. So we have 14-year-old Walter, 12-year-old Lydia, 10-year-old Anna, and 8-year-old Herbert. So she settled in into a kind of a small farm. Um, Small, though, I don't know. Maybe I just don't understand acres, but it's a massive farm to me. Um, It is a 180-acre farm in Goforth, Texas, which is another small town near San Marcos. And she made it clear that her number one intention was to be a mother to William's orphaned children. Now, that is not my wording. That was the wording of the San Antonio Light, which is a now defunct newspaper and one that I was referencing for this. It actually didn't become defunct until fairly recently, I think in the 90s, because I remember my my dad and my grandparents reading from the San Antonio Light. But anyway... So every day, they'd kind of settled into a routine. The children would come home in the afternoon from school or from playing outside, and Anna would serve them cold coffee. They'd sit and drink together, and the family just seemed to be thriving. And William's older children had actually grown up with Anna, so they knew her, they knew her family. It was all one um, happy transition from friend to family, which is what a few of the articles that I saw online said, I don't know if that's real. I don't know if, if one of my friends married my dad, would, I would be like, oh, I grew up with her. So this is cool. Um, she's kind of a, a maternal figure in my life now. No, that, I would not be chill with that transition. It sounds super odd to me. But then, like I said, those May-December relationships were not uncommon. So maybe it was acceptable. I did not find any mention of it not being so. All right, let's get into it. On April 7th, 1922, Lydia Haupttrief, and Lydia is the 12-year-old, suffered extreme nausea and vomiting. Her muscles had become to, begun to severely cramp, and her skin became red and swollen. She died quickly the same day, and five days later, her older brother, Walter, joined her in death. Around three months later, just when the Haupttrief family we're maybe seeing a light at the end of the tunnel and as far as grief goes. Eight-year-old Herbert got sick in this with the same mysterious illness and died really quickly, same day. Then, on November 11th, 1922, 10-year-old Anna Haupttrief fell ill. 
the same mysterious illness and died on the same day. And it was noted that at each funeral, Anna cried bitterly as if she were the children's own mother. Now, while these deaths were seen as suspicious at the time, they were not investigated by the local police. And during this time, Anna had become pregnant, and in July of 1923, she gave birth to Lenora May Hauptreif. And she must have felt like she had gotten away with everything. It was July, the last death had been in November with Anna, Anna, her stepdaughter, and she was... She had her child. She'd had her first child with William. So everything kind of was going smoothly for her. After Lenora's birth, Anna convinced William to sign over his 180-acre farm. It was worth about $12,000. She convinced him to sign it over to her. And I'm not sure what reasoning that she used for this. I would think it was, you know, now that... I have a child, I have Lenora, and you're, you know, not young. Because um, it definitely, that conversation went down exactly like that. Um, you're not young, so sign the form over to me. That way, you know, we'll we'll just, it'll make it easier for you uh, when you do pass for me to just take over. Who knows? I am only guessing at the reasoning for that. But he absolutely did sign the farm over to her. And in July of 1924, I think you know where this is going, William Hauptreif fell extremely ill. But instead of being taken care of and convalescing at home, like his children did, he was taken to the Soldier, Sailor, and Marines Hospital, later known as Pike House in San Marcos. It was there that the doctors found he'd been poisoned with arsenic. On July 27th, Anna Hauptreif was arrested for the attempted murder of her husband and the possible murders of her four stepchildren. Two days later, on the 29th, she made a full confession to District Attorney Fred Bundle. So in this confession, she says that she did not just poison her husband, William Hauptreif. She also wanted to be clear that she had poisoned her four stepchildren. And hey, maybe she poisoned Kurt Schroeder, her first husband, as well. And at this time, she did not give a reasoning. Of course, it later came out, but... She didn't say right then that it did. So after a while, she gave a direct quote as to why she killed at least the children. She said, they made trouble for me. They refused to do chores and they wanted to just sit and drink coffee. So she poisoned their afternoon cold coffees one by one. And while she never gave a reason for poisoning William, it was fairly clear that she was one of the Black Widow murderers that were pretty prolific around this time and in the later 19th century. When life insurance became a thing, so did they. And we might cover a few more of them because they are all awful, but in different ways. So the district attorney wanted to be sure that she was telling the truth. And he had the bodies of the four children exhumed, along with Kurt Schroeder, who I've seen in some of the primary sources that his name was Court Schroeder. I'm not sure, and a lot of the newer articles have him named Kurt, um, but I can't be sure. They both sound like they were plausible um, for a German immigrant at the time. So when they exhumed the bodies, all of them tested positive for high levels of arsenic. And Kurt's story was really sad. She eventually gave a full account of how she murdered him, and she said that she had made two coffees one evening after he came home from work, and she had laced both of them heavily with arsenic. 
While she pretended to drink hers, he threw his back and drank the whole thing in a few gulps. Almost immediately, he fell back in extreme pain, crying out in agony. And she said that she laughed at him and just threw her coffee on the floor next to him and walked away for him to die. So, I mean, that is just awful. Who knows what she did with the children? I mean, obviously, they took a little bit longer to die. So she was there, by a few accounts, um, next to their beds and, and trying to make sure that they were at least in comfort as they passed. That was one account that had mentioned that. So Anna was in prison for about five months while investigators searched her house and tried to get more details about the murders. They did find two vials of poison underneath the porch, the front porch, which she did agree were hers. And interesting side note here, she and Lenora, her one-year-old, were jailed together, which I assume was to keep mother and daughter together because they didn't feel a man could take care of her like her mother could, but I'm not entirely sure um, of the reasoning for that. But she was. Lenora was in jail with her. Anna also made it clear that she was pregnant again and couldn't be hanged or suffer the stress of a trial. So due to this, the trial was actually put off until February 1925. In the meantime, William Haupttreff, unsurprisingly, filed for divorce. He complained that he had to employ attorney BG Neighbors at the cost of $500, which I looked up was about $7,500 or would have been $7,500 in today's money. It's, it's fairly expensive. The average divorce nowadays is around $4,000 just for the retainer. And if it's going to be messy, which this one probably wouldn't have been, um, then it maybe would creep up to $7,500. But nevertheless, uh, it would have been a, a fairly expensive divorce even in today's dollars. So he wanted to charge that back to Mrs. Haupttreff once the divorce was finalized. And I am assuming here that her family would have been charged with paying that because she did not have an income of her own. And during in the divorce um, suit, he did say that he wanted custody of his one-year-old daughter, Lenora. Now this in another article was disputed saying that he didn't want custody of her at all. But that was absolutely not the case. That was the only source that I found that said that. All of the others, and in fact, Lenora's obituary also said that that was her father and that he had raised her. So it did not make mention of her mother's prior career, but I mean, who would? You know, I, I don't even know that her family knew of it. But necessarily, I mean, they probably did. It's, it's all over the internet. I'm sure that they knew that their um, family member or ancestor was a serial killer. So, um, in October of 1924, word had gotten out that, de that the death penalty would be sought at her trial. And her brother, who was initially arrested in conjunction with Anna, they thought he had something to do with it, which he didn't. But um, her brother, Richard Schultz, wrote a letter to the district attorney complaining of the maltreatment of his sister. And actually, he probably had good reason to. He was worried that the stress of the pregnancy and the stress of the trial um, would leave her in a mentally unstable condition. So he argued in the letter that she should not be left unsupervised. And you will see why he probably understood what was coming next. On the brights in early morning of October 31st, so Halloween 1924, Anna's body was discovered hanging from her cell door by her apron strings. That evening, she'd packed all of her belongings neatly and put them in her purse. 
She made her bed and wrote her suicide note. She then tied the cord from an apron or similar garment to her cell door and hung herself from it. She did so by simply lifting her feet up off the ground. And Sheriff George M. Allen had made this statement about that. He said she could have just saved her life by simply lowering her feet to the ground. So she had to have really wanted death in that to have killed herself in that way. Her suicide letter asked that her husband and baby Lenora be treated well, and she ended the note saying, you will all know how I felt someday. Um, hi, hello, Anna. I think it's safe to say that we will not, but still. Okay, for your suicide note. All right. Um, after this, William raised Lenora, and life went on. Lenora turned out to be a strong, caring, and beautiful woman nicknamed Snooky, and later married Sherman Hare Booth of Terre Haute, Indiana. And they had two children together and lots of grandchildren who I will not name for their own privacy. She passed away in 2017 in San Antonio, Texas, and I believe her family still lives here. So that ends the story of one of Texas's most prolific serial killers, Anna Hauptreif. Her trial was described in a lot of the newspaper articles as being the trial of the century, but of course we know that it did not take place. So I want to say thank you for listening. I hope that this story is not one that you've heard before. I do like to keep stories, you know, fairly uncommon. Um, But, you know, this is the type of thing that it's as part of Texas's history. And I I think it's something that should be known. But if y'all have any more suggestions, I would love to hear them. I'm sorry, Anila, if you're listening, that it took so long to get this story. But um, I wanted to make sure that I got all of the sources uh, named and correct um, for this episode. And on that note, I'm going to name a few of my sources here, and I'm going to have to go into my browser here. So one of my sources was unknownmisandry.blogspot.com, which was awesome because it did have a lot of the um, transcriptions of the newspaper articles. I think there's about seven here that they have, so it's super helpful. Um, I also referenced drippingspringsnews.com, and there were a few. I didn't look at this article, but I saw one from Wimberley as well. So a few of the smaller towns around San Antonio and Austin um, covered this, so it was kind of interesting. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I will make sure and post a picture of Miss Anna Hauptreif on my Instagram later on tonight. Y'all have a great week. Bye.